Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Smart Cities Chronicles podcast, your podcast for everything smart cities action and investment and outcomes. Uh, my name is Adam Beck, the host of the Chronicles. Uh, my day job is Executive Director at the Smart Cities Council here for the Australia and New Zealand region. I'd like to welcome you all to episode uh, 54 today. Uh, and we're going to be talking about some um, what I think are very critical um, but sometimes brain hemorrhaging concepts and topics around financing and governance and partnership and all of those kind of important horizontal issues that help us uh, actually deliver and deploy uh, smart technology and data solutions to build better communities. And to help me, to help me do that, I've got um, Steve Hamilton uh, from one of our uh, partner companies, Deloitte. Uh, Steve is based out of Boston. Steve, thanks so much for joining us on this episode of The Chronicles. Great, um, Adam. Thank you for having me. I'm delighted to uh, participate. Steve, I'm uh, I'm over here in uh, very hot, humid Brisbane in southeast Queensland, Australia. Um, you're on the uh, the east coast of the US. Don't know what the weather's like there, but uh, give us a give us a sense of uh, what's happening in your world at the moment and what your role is there at Deloitte. Yeah, sure thing. Thank you, Adam. Yeah, it's, uh, I, I dare say it's quite a bit colder here, given where <laughs> we uh, <laughs> sit in the earth. Uh, but uh, I had the great pleasure of uh, visiting some of my colleagues at Deloitte Australia about, must be a year and a half ago, a bit more than that, in, in Sydney and, and seeing a lot of the great work there. So I'm jealous of, of the scenery and view <laughs> down there uh, and hopefully to get back. But yeah, I, uh, I am based in Boston, uh, been up here for about three years. I've been at Deloitte for six years. Uh, my background is infrastructure, economics, uh, really deal preparation. I've done a lot of work in the P3 space, um, uh, both internationally and domestically, uh, really on the topic of the intersection of traditional physical assets. So, you know, building infrastructure, could be real estate, could be roads, transit systems, um, could be, you know, individual built assets, what have you, understanding the, the business case and economics around that. And then bringing in new forms of digital disruption and technology that, you know, improve people's lives, make our infrastructure work better, provide better service delivery. Um, so I've, I've worked in about 20 countries. Um, prior to joining Deloitte, I was, I was at a, a large um, A&E firm, global A&E firm. I, I was always the, I said I was the black sheep. I was the financing economist guy embedded with the Stark Architects and urban planners who are driven, you know, driving the vision and, 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 and view of cities of our future, but there's really a hardcore business case around this and different investor requirements. And for me, it was always the marriage of how do you bring economics and finance into this really important question of design thinking that make, you know, that ultimately getting the business case right and the investment case right is all about getting these things built and, and making them have an impact in people's lives for real. And how do you make sure that the public sector is able to uh, be a participant in these discussions, get value out of it, and the structure deals in a way that benefit them not only financially, but economically. So done that somewhat globally. And then the last two years at Deloitte, I've really been focused on our market expansion in the West Coast of the United States for our business. Um, you're probably asking why I'm doing that from uh, Boston. That's a great question. Uh, <laughs> but uh, just, just where, you know, where we're focused, where we have great market potential, where we see innovation going on. We, we see a lot of it um, um, going out west, and specifically there's very large um, metropolitan planning organizations, infrastructure 
uh, developers, operators, where we're focused. So I hope in a nutshell, that's, uh, that's my background. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, so let's sort of set the scene and, and context here, Steve. So um, I was in San Diego, California, uh, earlier in the year, sure. we were, we were running our, um, our smart cities week uh, event down there. Um, and I pick up a, uh, I pick up a document uh, immediately. It piques my interest. The title of the document is uh, quote unquote, the Alliance approach to smart cities. Now, of course, I'm, uh, I'm very much a smart cities enthusiast. Uh, I also like you have a, have, have quite a long background in the built environment and infrastructure. And of course, uh, alliancing and alliance contracting, at least in Australia has certainly been a model of, uh, of project delivery. Mm-hmm. So, so when I sort of saw these words of Alliance approach, uh, smart cities, and then of course, these sort of subtitle word, words, you know, financing, partnership, procurement, governance. Um, it was it was immediately something that I wanted to read. Um, turns out that uh, you, you were one of the co-authors. So this is um, this is really sort of the backbone of of the conversation that I wanted to have with you today. And I suppose kicking off, my first question is: um, Can you can you give me sort of um, a bit a bit of backstory? And a lead up to the the publishing of this document um, sure. by Deloitte. Uh, why? Uh, what was going on? What did you think? Uh, what what type of conversation or narrative do you think we needed to start by publishing this? What can you give me in terms of context here? Yeah, thanks for the question, and, and thanks for um, having read the piece. I. I, I you know, at the heart of it, Adam, for me is, you know, I, I've, I've been involved in this journey at Deloitte, let's say, for four to five years. Um, uh, when we brought the different parts of our business together in the U.S. practice, and then I believe it was about nine of our member firms, which is effectively our country practices. And at the time, we were looking at the market saying, okay, we know this disruption's here. We have strong consulting uh, infrastructure advisory businesses to help our public sector clients think through the future and, and and how do you incorporate smart cities infrastructure and thinking into your existing assets and you know it is not strictly about greenfield certainly it's about how do you make this work in built space in many cases cities that are hundreds of years old um, or or they're in need of repair and and, um, you know, we did this survey across Deloitte, we brought our leaders together, and we realized we were doing a lot in different verticals. You know, it could be water, it could be energy, could be more horizontal stuff around um, citizen service delivery. Um, and the more we started thinking about it and looking at the public sector interest and appetite around this and the need to make people's lives better, uh, you know, place is more livable, more competitive, um, you just realize there's a tremendous amount of complexity there as you're, as you're thinking across departments, you're thinking across government agencies, you're thinking about shared standards for procurement, if you're thinking about, you know, what, what, uh, how, how do you select a vendor? How do you make sure these things are interoperable when the, when the, when technology obsolesces and changes so quickly? So how do you derive the best and greatest good for the public sector? And 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 also it, it, at the point where public sectors are struggling with budgets in many parts of the world, um, there's a new appetite, I'd say, for increased risk sharing, but not always the procurement model to get us there. And so as we kind of 
you know, advanced our own journey and thought about this, I think there's a lot of complexity there. And what we wanted to do in this piece is, is try to, I, I think, demystify it a bit, try to create some core buckets or themes, you know, financing, partnership, governance, procurement, that speak to the core issues. If you're a public sector leader grappling with, okay, how do I make my city, how do my municipality smart? That was the logic. Let's try to demystify this. Let's break this down into some parts that resonate with folks who have to implement this. And also, frankly, that would, that would speak to uh, the investors, both on a technology and a strict financial side, who are going to basically be underwriting some of, this, some of these technologies um, um, on the other side. So they, you know, when you talk about financing, innovative financing, they get it. They talk about procurement, you get it, because they're on the other side responding to, to RFPs or other sorts of uh, partnership opportunities. Governance to me is, is, is the linchpin of it all. How do you create the system that enables your, 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 your leaders to try and fail and gives them the right legal regulatory architecture to try new technology, try new forms of, of sandbox environments to, to, to co-create with the public sector and look at shared value opportunities. Um, and then partnership clearly is kind of the thread through it. So that was the background. And, um, uh, you know, I, I, I do get a sense from the, from, from the report um, and, and also from what I'm observing, you know, we've got these, I don't want to necessarily say sort of two speed sort of um, processes going on, but, but certainly you highlight this, um, uh, this just situation where we've got very antiquated traditional approaches to sort of procurement and traditional municipal mm -hmm. uh, funding and financing. And we, we've sort of got the technology and data solutions, you know, mm -hmm. advance, advancing at lightning speed. So, so, you know, it, it's, it's a real, it's just a real tough situation our, our local government leaders are in, aren't they? Just sort of try and keep up with this. Yeah, and I think it's a wonderful point. I, I, was, I was at a, a conference earlier in this year, and I was talking to a senior transportation leader, and, 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 and uh, this gentleman and I are having a really interesting discussion around workforce needs of the future as, as a department of transportation. So thinking about things like integrating, you know, ride sharing, ride hailing, uh, uh, last mile transit opportunities around e-bikes, all this thing, integrating that into your more traditional transit system. And the gentleman said, you know, Steve, my biggest problem is that I can't hire the folks I need to actually work with me to structure the deals with the large uh, uh, transportation mobility providers, you know, whether it's, it could be, uh, could be you know, any of the big named um, um, companies we're all familiar with, Uber, Google, you know, others, many others. Um, and he said, I can't hire data scientists. And I don't need a transportation planner in the same way that I did even a decade ago. I need a data scientist who's going to be hotly competed where there's a fierce demand for talent. And it creates an uneven kind of position around structuring these deals, thinking about the right technology. So I totally agree with you, Adam. It's, it's a question both of rapid technology change intersecting, I think, with extreme challenges around our public sector clients being able to have the right talent, so the human capital, to be able to uh, 
think about how you structure these relationships and these deals. So I, 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 that's just a, maybe a finer point, but that shows you the level of disruption because when you think about it, you know this very well, your, your listeners know very well, you know, long-term infrastructure play, a road, uh, you know, a bridge, uh, all that stuff is, you know, those are 20, 30 year time horizon investments. Some things lend themselves to P3, design, build, finance, operate, maintain models. You know, there's a whole bunch of, you know, availability models around this. Everyone gets that. But when you start intersecting technology, which is literally changing year to year with uh, uh, where there's not always interoperability standards across departments and different parts of government, you're getting the really challenging vexing issues. And so, you know, our, our, our thinking is, you, and this is kind of getting to the governance piece, you need the right talent, you need the right champion to kind of be invested with the power you need to try and test sandbox environments, to create economies of scale, shared purchasing environments, interoperability standards. And I think there's some examples of where that, 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 that kind of championship and that regional model are working a bit uh, in the US, um, by no means perfect, but you're seeing a movement in that direction. You know, it's interesting. Um, if I just pick sort of one of those four key issues, procurement for a moment, someone described it um, quite um, quite provocatively, but probably a lot of truth to it earlier in the year to me that, um, you know, in, in, in sort of uh, local government and city government, you know, procurement was originally set up, you know, to, to buy and purchase things like, you know, pens and paper, things that we, we, we know very uh, very much what they can do and what what the scope is and we know what it is and we'll have 5,000 units, thank you. But um, procuring smart these days uh, at the rate of change, the, the rate of, uh, and not just the change, right, um, of the technology, but the business models that are, are coming with that. You know, I, I like in, in, in the document, you know, the the sort of point towards these new models that are not on the horizon, but they're here now, you know, like, um, uh, you know, as a service models, you know, subscription models. So that idea of, of, of CapEx yep. moving to sort of OPEX, that's kind Absolutely. of really changing. And I think, um, you know, having just been on a, a little visit to Dijon in France, looking at their 12 year PPP between a private sector consortium and, and the, the sort of the metropolitan government, you know, that the council member mm-hmm. was saying, you know, when, when you can sort of model and do the finance, the economic model in 12 years, it gives you the runway to really push CapEx mm-hmm. to OpEx and generate more value. I mean, we're, we're just seeing more and more of that in this space, aren't we? I agree. I mean, you, you, you highlight a great point. Like the, the question is the trade off CapEx, OpEx, and also the impact on budgeting. Um, so, you, know, you think about mobility of service, kind of a, a mobility integrated mobility platform. Um, um, Deloitte's been very involved with our future mobility practice, um, looking at opportunities in some case in partnership with um, with cities around how do you create this integrated platform around supply and demand, and at its core, that is you know built around modules of, of information exchange between traditional you know uh, transit operators at the city level future mobility providers disruptors who are you know doing using um assets uh they don't own the assets but they're 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 moving vehicles both for people movement and freight movement um you're you're getting in ultimately you know over the next decade you're looking at uas uam so the issue 
you have aerial rights, you're looking at disruption in terms of how you build, what you build, where you build it, the size of what you build. And so the, M the MOS platforms are bringing in these interesting questions around it's, dig it's effectively digital infrastructure linking these things. It's linking supply and demand. It's creating choice. It's creating its own market. But in effect, that's your you know, smartphone, your sensor network, your broadband connectivity or your Wi-Fi connectivity. It's it linked to the cloud. So the, the capex of that as you're exactly as you're pointing out, Adam, is, is considerably less vis-a-vis -vis I'm building a fixed transit line. Mm. Uh, uh, and it's also, um, it's also inherently complex because the level of actors involved is, is, is it's, not, it's not just the technology providers. Again, it's the, the cities, it's the transit operators, you know, if you're looking at that case, it's the regulators, it's the financiers who are looking to underwrite cities' acquisition of these platforms. So you're not necessarily going to do, you know, a bond issuance. You may, maybe you're covering part of that for this, but that could, that's a possibility. But you might be looking at a project, you know, more of a project finance setup or a vendor finance setup around this. And 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 is it changing the nature of of the what you own and operate? It's changing the nature of your partnership. It's changing, I, I think, um, how you as, a, in this case, I'm speaking of a city, um, it's changing you know, how you think about where you put your money and where you invest. Is it something you're setting up to buy now? Is it something you're, you're, you're you know, paying into on a managed service basis? And, then, and then, you know, then you're getting the next step beyond that is, is there performance contracting tied into it? You know, are you ultimately looking at, you know, if you're looking at redu reductions in VMT, you know, vehicle miles traveled, is there a gain share agreement around, you know, reduction in cost associated with, with that? Like you're, you're layering in all these really interesting issues around traditional procurement and the layering of new partnerships, different risk and reward profiles. And precisely, as you said, Adam, at the moment when the technology disruption is, 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 is really underway and there's things happening now you know, again, bringing up USUAM, which are also going to touch upon how we move people and freight and urban, dense urban cores and completely change that business model. So it's utterly fascinating. Um, and, 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 you know, in, in a weird way, I think through this piece, we were trying to demystify it and simplify those things and try to capture some of those core elements. So let's, let's dig into a couple of these, a couple of these issues. I'm going to, I'm going to start sure. with I'm going to start with financing. Now, you you use this term innovative financing. Um, you highlight uh, just a couple of the you know all, all alternative approaches um, out there for in, innovative financing these days. You know, uh, you, you've mentioned um, financing from vendor partners. You know, revolving mm -hmm. in, innovation funds, mini bonds, PPPs. Uh, you know, land value capture, um, performance based contracting. So. Um, so I, I'm not going to get into those in detail. I mean, in fact, in 20, I want to say 2015 or 16, I think it was, uh, we actually did some, um, we, we partnered with Arizona state university and released a, a smart, uh, smart financing guide for smart cities. And there's like 24 different innovative finance models. So we're in a world where, Technically speaking, uh, a municipality, a city has uh, has plenty of examples and and case studies about how local government 
can or could uh, innovatively um, uh, finance projects. But let's step back to the higher order for a moment. And, and I liked uh, your reference. Sure. Earlier. You know, question mark is the, the, the capacity or capability inside the government organisation there to allow kind of a strategy to form or sort of engagement or relationships to build with the private sector. So, so let's talk about maybe uh, from your experience, you know, if, mm -hmm. you know, let, let, let's say, you know, Mayor X um, recruits you to come on and sort of lead and be part of some big smart cities strategy transformation, innovation push within the city. Um, what, What's sort of that that meta level advice or principles? Maybe principles is a good place to start. Talk us through some of the principles about how sure. how would a, a municipality get in the mindset and just start to approach this idea of thinking of of, of funding funding and or financing the smart infrastructure infrastructure that they need like where's the starting point on this you're in the room mayor's there heads of departments yep. and agencies kind of where do you start this conversation about trying to do something differently with funding and financing yeah it's a great thank you for the setup we've, we've been there a bit myself and included in this exact situation so you've, you laid it out perfectly um i i i think to us there's a there is a there's a basic element of having your North Star right, right? So, so you mentioned strategy. For, for us, you know, it's an, it can be an overused word, but it's, it's an absolutely critical starting point to align your interest and your core objectives. Where are you headed as a city or a unit of government? What, what service are you looking to provide? Um, and what's your North Star? What, what, what's the thing you're aspiring to be? And then kind of what are the performance metrics you're gonna track to get there? So. You, know, you can think about are you looking to re, you know acquire your your streetlight system retrofit with led are you looking then to layer in connectivity you know what are the use cases you build around that but what at, the, at its core what what's the core mission is it cost reduction is it better better citizen service is it um some new form of value capture in partnership with with the private sector around use cases whatever it might be we want to understand with you where you're headed and get aligned with your team. That that's critical. And I, you know, it sounds, it, it maybe sounds a little like kind of, you know, so what, but I can tell you having looked at uh, many large uh, procurements in the United States um, with our, our smart cities teams, we, 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 we have, we, uh, there are many cases where that kind of that basic glue to, to hold people together is not there. And we recommend it. We say that's a great starting point. I think, you know, the other thing about Deloitte, I'd say, is we try to be the trusted advisor. And a, and a key issue is, you know, we talk a lot about smart cities. All of us are guilty of it. I know there's different levels of, of um, interest in that term. And, you know, if it's overused, is it right? And, uh, you know, there's, we've looked and there's you know, dozens and dozens of definitions around what it even is, what it isn't. But the core thing is some of this remains traditional in the sense that you have your North Star, you know where you're headed, and, and we help with that. We're also your trusted advisor in that we want to be with you when you're undertaking these discussions and negotiations with your partners, whether it's technology, traditional infrastructure, financing, institution, whatever it is to help you structure the deal so you get the best value and so that you 
You also, um, you know, understand the risk and reward transfer that's going to go along with any of these things, you know, cost of it, timeline of it, you know, potential for things to go right or wrong, what have you. We, we kind of look at all those things. And at the core of this, there's still a business case for each of these things. So if you're looking at smart parking, right, there's a specific business case around that. If you're looking at LED retrofitting, which we discussed, which is you know, in some cases a low-hanging fruit where you have cost-sharing agreements, um, and the model is fairly well proven out, um, um, you, there's still a business case or an argument that needs to be made there. If you're looking at um, um, you know, water, smart water, or you know, whatever it is, whatever these domains are, um, you still have to be able to understand your role in it articulate to your citizenry what the use case is. And really, when you approach the market, when you're taking you know, your term sheet to market, or that's, that's a step beyond even the RFP, but if you're really taking the RFP to market and you're asking for this community and, and advisors, investors, infrastructure firms, whatever, to respond to you, you need to be very clear on what it is you need, what it is on offer, and I, I still think there's a lot of issues around that. We see a lot of, okay, here's 15 things we want to do. Put it all in a jumble of an RFP. What are you going to provide us? I've seen, we've seen a number of those things. And I think that tends to, that tends to create a lot of confusion. And so our role in this, as we can add, is helping to kind of understand those alliance issues, structure, structure your ask in the right way. So the com community vendors, tech partners, financiers can respond with confidence, uh, understand the deal from their own side, speaking clearly in a way an investor, you know, these other partners will understand. So that's really a big part of what we do, if, if, and hopefully that's clear. And I think, I think you need a trusted advisor um, who's agnostic in the sense of specific vendors, um, knows how to work with them, knows the larger ecosystem of OEMs, but especially in the public sector side, help you wade through some of those waters as you're getting started. So you, you, you're working through all those different options and you're, you're sort of getting clear yeah. on your outcomes and um, you're engaging with the community and you're doing all those good internal things to sort of line up, yep. uh, line up some, some sort of potential decisions. So in, in walks the handbrake into the room, which is which yep. is the, which is the procurement team, and I, yep. I've, I you know I apologise in advance to anyone in procurement listening. Um, procurement is critical, as we know, but um, we know that the research shows that around the world, on average, procurement is cited by local government as one of the top three barriers to investing in smart cities around the world. So I just raise it because that's what yeah. the data tells us. So procurement walks into the room, they go, Steve, nice yep. ideas, innovative finding, that's great, but the procurement rules say X, Y, and Z. Um, talk through now this dynamic, this, this you know, intimate linkage between the money and this process yep. that we call procurement. Yeah, sure. I, oh, and, and, you know, that, that, that in your, your, again, you're spot on, Adam, I think that is often can be the stumbling block. And there's no, there's no intent, obviously, from the um, procurement team side to, to create that stumbling block, because there's obviously, they've been in, 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 in they're, they're, they're empowered to act in the public interest, the fiduciary and other, to protect taxpayer dollars. And that's absolutely critical, right? Especially in this space, it's absolutely critical. 
But what I what we often say is it's a governance issue too, right? So you're you're basically you need to empower the procurement team and whoever your smart cities champion is to allow them to try and fail. So there's some innovative. You mentioned ASU, I mean, and there's some really interesting, innovative things going on in the greater Phoenix region. Deloitte's been um, very thrilled to support uh, the work with ASU, um, the Institute for Digital Progress, um, um, GPAC, Greater Phoenix Economic Council, and others around their smart region efforts the last few years, where you have ASU as an anchor institution and their smart cities um, uh, team as a research center at, at, the, at the institution. And you mentioned the work that you've done with them as well at ASU, but also Greater Phoenix, you know, the 22, I believe it's above 20, I believe it's 22 cities that constitute Greater Phoenix, where they said, you know, procurement's a problem. We know it at the city level. So let's join kind of a shared uh, governance model, shared um, uh, strategic kind of purchase acquisitioning model around uh, uh, new technology in the smart city space where we can try and fail together. So we get increased purchasing power as a, as a group. We also have some shared standards and a sandbox environment where you can try something in one part of Greater Phoenix and if it works and it's successful, then you can immediately move and scale it. So kind of a shared uh, environment around, uh, around procurement and, and kind of terms and conditions. So I think that's really, that's really unique. Um, so on that question of the procurement people walk in, you know, I think you need two things. You need to kind of point them that there's ways to do this. There's ways to manage this um, this risk and um, appropriately. Um, and maybe that's a sandbox environment. Maybe in smaller cities, it's banding together um, and, and kind of a strategic sourcing effort. Um, and 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 that it's also you know advising the procurement team, but that very clearly articulating what the city is able to do or the government entity is able to do and what it's not able to do. So if it's things like um, access to, to rights of way, you know, what, what does that mean? Make, make that really clear. If, if it's access to city data, okay, what can you do or not do now under existing regulation? Making that very clear. Articulating how much money, you know, the city has in its budget or is able to put in the gain. And then you can work through those issues like you're talking about is, okay, what are these things are suitable for pay for performance? What are these things is suitable for, uh, you know, a gain sharing agreement? What are these things suitable? We, we know we don't have the full capital stack we need for, you know, solution for, for use case A, but maybe there's a mini bond element where we're creating citizen involvement um, through purchasing into part of the deal. And so it's, it's those are the mechanics and you it really it's it's it, it's kind of you have to work it through i think case by case use case by use case and then and then and then you know in, in in certain cases we would step in and we would look at a new governance model or approach do you set up a special purpose entity or a joyous venture kind of is off balance sheet so it's it's using its own revenue recovery um and then it has its own procurement regime set up around it that's another example i think you're seeing globally where you see kind of uh, in the U.S. vernacular be kind of a 5013C setup as a as kind of a, a partner to public the public sector that because of its its statute and how it stood up is able to take on some of the risks public sectors typically not able to do it provides a little more flexibility so some of our clients will end up being economic development organizations that are kind of public private entities 
special special purpose entities or ventures, and you see that cropping up. So kind of something that kind of isolates some of the risk and, and rewards. Um, so yeah. hopefully that gives you a little helpful perspective. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I, I love I love this thread of discussion. We uh, we interviewed um, uh, the Columbus, Ohio folks earlier in sure. the you know the Columbus Partnership, um, and I, I don't know. I suppose what you're sort of really you know what what we're talking about with this line of thinking is um somewhat shifting um you know the the risk the function of procurement you know kind of to either a you know a mutually owned entity or a third party or some other mm-hmm. backbone organization um which i think yeah, is, that's right. is is um is fascinating and i mean what's what's kind of ironic here steve i don't know if it's your view, but I mean, I, you know, I spent 20 years in infrastructure and urban development and I mean, um, our, our, our sort of civil engineering, um, you know, brethren around the world have kind of been, um, adopting a lot of these approaches for decades, haven't they? I mean, a, a lot of this is not new to other sectors, but, but this smart city space is, uh, is, is, is sort of potentially seeing the opportunity to pick up, somewhat tried and tested models, right? We, we just haven't applied right. at, a, at a local government level with, with sort of tech and, tech and data as enablers for, for better city making. One, one thing, Adam, on that point, I, I'm, a, I'm a very big, be careful how I speak here, I'm a very big advocate, well, advocate might be too strong, believer, let's put it that way, in the PDA model um, in smart, smart cities. So, you know, pre-development agreements. Um, I, I think, in 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 public uh, sector procurement, where the government entity has the flexibility to think about PDA and really accelerating uh, the the it could be a series of investor constructors investors um, being at the table earlier and understanding each other a bit better on the front end. What's the deal the city wants to do? Okay. What's the package of services, technical services, you know, consulting, engineering, the design, environmental, you know, the financial backers from the room as part of these, these consortium agreements? What, what are they willing to do? How far can they go in terms of, you know, their, the, what they're able to share to help kind of scope out what the smart cities, again, we use the term use case, but really what's the projects that we can do together? So it's not, you know, it's not the traditional same logic around P3 movement, which is really, you know, you're sharing technical ability, you're offloading risk, you're bringing in new forms of private capital, um, where that capacity does not always exist in the public sector. So it's a similar, similar thing, but it's bringing it way forward in the process. The idea being that, you know, you can be more flexible as this market's evolving around technology, because they're at the table on the other side. You can design the RFP process and, you know, Bring in public, uh, bring in input, technical, commercial input earlier in the process, so you're going to get better responses. And then there's some really interesting things you can do. I think around, you know, the the equ- the, the the sweat equity, if you will, or the investment that comes in from these consortiums on the front end. I there's some innovative things you can do. I know we've had conversations with where you're not going to clearly hand, you know, you 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 you've, you're not creating an unfair condition for that consortium to help on the, the front end by doing things like maybe you give a certain amount of benchmarking on equity, you know, you certain level of equity participation in the overall deal. Once the, 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 the RFP comes out, 
and you're working on the PDA, certain level of you know participation and certain level of against a benchmark equity rate or what have you. So there's ways I think you can be creative around getting that expertise, protecting the public sector interest to get best value, while also not you know not disincentivizing the private sector from being in the early discussions with you, but giving them an option to be involved, um, you know, at a fair, a fair, in a fair way. Um, so I think I think I think that's a really important consideration. And I you know I don't I can't speak to certainly the Australian or New Zealand environment, but we are we are seeing those models in the U.S. evolve a bit. Um, in in the, in Southern California right now, um, there's a really interesting, let's say, innovative example of of this going on um, for uh, for a, a large um, transit uh, rail investment where it's, it's a very innovative approach to a PDA arrangement, kind of similar to that, where you'll be looking at kind of large, larger disruption in transportation. Steve, I want, to, um, I want to briefly talk now around another acronym that starts with a P, which is PMO. Um, and mm-hmm. in, in your document, you, you, you talk about, um, well, not the idea of a PMO. PMOs have been around for, for a long time. You know, the, the, the project management office um certainly we've seen it um heavily used here in australia uh, and of course elsewhere uh around big infrastructure projects so um so you introduce it here into the thinking of of you know the the smart cities alliancing um approach and concept now in, in australia and i think you know to an extent what i've seen let's just talk about north america as well in comparison you know a, a municipality sets up its smart cities team or officer or manager sometimes it starts modestly with one person sometimes they're a little bit bigger they might second from other agencies and departments they develop their strategy they move forward in sort of scoping and creating projects so um so kind of like the default position is to try and build some internal resources within you know the 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 local government organization now Kind of strictly speaking, when we look at infrastructure projects and other sectors, the PMO is a little bit more substantial than that idea. You know, it, it's sort of, um, it's, it's established and operates within sort of the boundaries of a number of principles of sort of, you know, kind of independent, kind of at arm's length yeah. f- physically, you know, dedicated team, potentially secondes from outside, private sector, everyone parks their kind of day job at the door, you're all focused around achieving sort of a goal or a project. So um, the, 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 the traditional smart cities lead manager officer within the municipality with a couple of other, you know, team members isn't strictly PMO. Can you stretch our thinking, talk to us about the PMO, share what a smart cities PMO might look like. Right. Um, and I, I think we've, you know, even it's funny, just, I'm just thinking about the evolution of this, you know, PMO, it's, uh, you're absolutely right. It's been around for a long, long time. You know, we t- tended to think about it in terms of, um, I'd say more traditional infrastructure works. Um, and I think you were alluding to that as well. Really, I think what we're talking about now is you know, kind of results management office, really. So you have the core PMO function. So that's, you know, the engineers, that's the, the planners, that's, that's, that's the management team. That's the folks who are making sure the project's getting delivered, you know, the contracting is being followed. That's kind of the, the, the that, you know, you have, you have clear uh, rules and procedures that are being followed across the team. 
And a lot of that, it serves a very important, clear purpose around making sure projects get done, done on time, on budget, all that, all of that very important stuff. But I think when you're talking about smart cities, you're adding in a layer of analytics. I think you're adding in a layer of um, uh, citizen communication, outreach that is completely new, especially you're thinking about equity, sustainability issues, and how do you make sure um, that this isn't just a bunch of, you know, city leaders, experts, kind of a program from on high, but also capturing the needs of citizens down below, those who are living, breathing, working in these cities every day. So I think it's new forms of skills that are embedded into the PMO. So maybe it's a results management framework. It's not strictly financial. It's economic. It's impact on, you know, everything from how much time you're spending in your car to get to work, how much, you know, extra time you're getting to be at home. It's response to citizen service requests, how quickly are those getting addressed? You know, it's tied into vendor performance in terms of being able to address those needs under contracts to cities, filling potholes and fixing water mains or have you. So I think it's a new skill set. It's data scientists again. It's it's actually bringing in economists, potentially sociologists. It's it's bringing in designers. It's bringing in a different analytics. So it's bringing in a different suite of capabilities to make the program um you know, traditional stuff's got to get done correctly, but also tracking and managing this stuff and impact on people over time. Because I think my sense is that's where, that's where one of the challenges, the core challenges of adoption of the smart city thinking lies. In a sense, the, you know, the technology, I know we've been talking a lot about technology and and interoperability and, and, and uh, it's importance. In a way, the technology is the easy part the human dimension, making sure people understand that they're, they have a, they're a part of this, that, that the technology is for the purpose of improving quality of life and livability, and then articulating and showing to your citizenry that you have real results in these things, that if you, you know, that, that if you, that if you're, if you're enabling mode shift into new forms of, of, of transportation and new forms of partnership mid the last mile, it's reducing carbon. It's it's increasing the productivity, the time you have the amount to work. You know, it's it's re- reducing the amount of time you have to be away from your family. Those measures have been, I think, very effectively. Those metrics are being very effectively kind of developed. But you need the team that can actually help implement and do it for you. And I think that's a big part of it. So I think it's a, it's an it's an evolution of PMO to this RMO kind of framework. And that's something you know Deloitte and, and others are very very involved in being being that trusted capacity that sits alongside a city. In particular, when they don't have the resources to bring in the right team or it's cost prohibitive, there's other interesting ways to structure those teams uh, to to make it more financially viable and then provide the capacity you need as a city entity or, or the public government entity. I was in uh, I was in Bangalore, India, two months ago um, at our event there with Smart Cities Council India, and I got to meet uh, one of your one of your folks over there. Who um, I, I was just blown away with, kind of what I would sort of you know relate to as sort of you know a PMO kind of function. But um, D- Deloitte, are part of that hundred Smart Cities mission, really sort of driving in the background, you know, the, the analytics. Um, the accountability, you know, tracking, um, you know, tenders let, tenders in the pipeline. Um, I, I just, um, and, and the reason this, 
this whole alliancing approach really resonates me is because I think there's um, there's just just some really good tried and tested approaches out there in other sectors like infrastructure that I think think could really uh, really allow us to accelerate this uh, this smart cities um, uh, agenda. Um, Steve, um, last question. I mean, we, we could keep going. We haven't even dug deep into sort of governance or partnerships yet. We might have to roll over to a to a sort of a a, a sort of um, sub episode again. But um, final question I wanted to ask you. Um, you know, we're sort of almost at the the end of the calendar year. Um, what are you What are you most looking forward to in twenty twenty? What's What's really you know catching your eye at the moment? Um, exciting projects or initiatives what, what what what's exciting you about 2020 last question yeah thank you uh and just thanks again for the opportunity to speak to your to your listeners and you know poor, those poor souls probably would not like to hear another step of absurdity <laughs> but you know we can discuss it. maybe don't do a don't do a listener poll you know see how she's on. but uh but uh i i tell you what i'm most excited about i i think in the u.s market in particular we we've seen the evolution of the market we've seen better structured RFPs come out. We've also seen, I think, more of a movement towards, um, you know, the, the PDA range in which I'm mentioning, so which, which mm. in the opportunities for private sector participation. I think as Deloitte, you know, I, I think we've been, I, I think our brand is clear. I think we're seen as trusted advisors. And this whole movement to manage services and being able to take one solution in one part of the world and bring it bring it home, you know. So, a couple examples are working with uh, with City Synergy in Cascais, Portugal, where we're involved with the the operating model there. The work we did with Responsive City in Buenos Aires over the last decade, which has really become a, a this incredible system for um, citizen engagement beyond what it used to be more of a focus on kind of. Uh, delivery of of citizen services, you know, tracking performance when tickets were coming in about potholes, kind of the things I mentioned, water main breaks. It's been more of a vehicle for citizen interaction and improving citizen service delivery. We, we're doing a lot globally that we can bring to the U.S. and as a managed service platform. You know, we have the relationships, we have a better sense of the the, the, the business models and how they work. So that that really thrills me that that. Um, I, I think in the smart city space, you especially look at, you know, the big events in Barcelona, you look at groups like Media the Minds, you know, you look at what you guys are doing in particular, you're, you're cross-pollinating, sharing lessons. I think the architecture is there. I think the public sector understands more the risk and rewards around this. So I think next year, and not, not to be too, uh, not to be overly optimistic, but I think in the next, let's say, one, two, three years, we're very likely to see more innovations and in partnership, more movement towards managed services. Um, and, and that excites me because I think, you know, there, this is not, this is not zero sum. You know, this is not, I used to win a, a design build contract and the other firm loses. This is more about larger, creating a larger pie. You know, we haven't even touched on the issues around data monetization and what does that look like? And, cybersecurity. So we have practices and areas of thinking there too. So it's, it, it touches on the fundamental premise of, of making people's lives better, delivering better services. And that's right at the heart of where Deloitte wants to be, helping our clients, our, our partners work through those issues. And so I just want to thank you, Adam, and, and your team's time for, um, for, for having me here, for the opportunity rather, 
And hopefully we'll be able to have this conversation again and talk a bit more about things we're seeing in the market, whether it's the U.S. or globally. So thanks, thanks again for having us. No, Steve, it's a, it's a pleasure. And I, uh, I certainly share, um, uh, share a lot of um, uh, your, your, your sort of enthusiasm there. I, th- I think the world is getting smaller in this space. Um, for our listeners that are sort of sitting here in the region, Australia and New Zealand, you know, not all of these ideas and approaches resonate now or would, or would work now. But I think globally, the more we, we all share, we, we, we critically uh, review and unpack uh, other approaches and use cases, you know, that, that'll hopefully, I think, um, inspire and, and catalyze us wherever we are globally to, to sort of uh, help, uh, help local government um, shape new thinking. So, um, uh, so, so like you, very much looking forward to um, to 2020. Um, Steve, um, thanks so much for joining us uh, on the Chronicles today. Uh, thank you very much, and hope you have a happy holiday and a good new year. Likewise. And for our listeners, that was uh, Steve Hamilton, uh, Senior Manager at Deloitte Advisory, based over in uh, Chile, Boston at the moment. Um, for our listeners that aren't subscribing to The Chronicles, you can do so on all your favourite uh, podcast platforms. You can also head to our website, smartcitieschronicles.com, or send us an email, chronicles at anz.smartcitiescouncil.com. My name is Adam Beck, your host of the Smart Cities Chronicles podcast. Um, this will be our last for 2019, wishing everyone a fantastic, uh, well-deserved break. For those that are traveling, travel safe. We look forward to bringing you another episode of the Chronicles in 2020.